everybody. Welcome to another episode of Friends Stalking Nerdy. This is Tim Jasma, and with me this week from all across the country, we have the Reverend Tracy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, Tim. Uh, yeah, we are officially, I mean, I think we were last time too. We're Portland to Portland now. Yep. So super fun times with that and et cetera. How are you doing? Ah, uh, doing much better this week um, with uh, our, our big concern last week here in the house was Sherman, of course, he was not doing so well this week. He is doing much better. Um, he's eating um, right now. I don't know. It, I, it could be one of two things because he is uh, he is on some prescription steroids, I guess, which was supposed to help with his appetite. So it's good that he's eating. But um, the professor said in the past when he had cancer, he would eat when he had these steroids but the moment you know the steroids went away he you know the the um his eating went down and um my concern is that he's not eating his regular hard food now best possible scenario here is that to your point he's just like fuck it i'm not gonna eat anything because you got tuna in the house that is what what i hope for um the other fear of course is that with his age and the fact that he has had cancer before in that in that area and whatnot that um the the steroids could essentially still be masking a problem uh, per se but that's me always looking on the bright side of things <laughs> i mean <laughs> oh. one thing, if, if tim is known for anything it is his abundance of positivity and a half blastful yeah. attitude that's why we're friends also something to consider i mean i had to change beans from hard food and that made a significant difference in how often she was sick and how much she was eating Mm -hmm. because she just seemed to avoid it she got to a point where i think she was just done with dry food and then you know i i've been very open about the fact that i cook food for my cat it is hilariously the only time i buy meat and eggs really Mm -hmm. like grocery wise like unless i'm making chili because that, that's different. You got to make Texas chili with the uh, the beef ingredients. But um, other than that, like, that's what I do. I cook her food. It's cheaper than getting the canned food, too. So it really just kind of worked out better. I, I Blue Buffalo is great. I support them. They actually happen to support local shelters, which is a fun fact. So yeah. when you buy Blue Buffalo, you are actually supporting local shelters. I used to do that um, where they would send their bags and like these little containers and my job for my volunteer hours was to sit there and like put some of the kernels in this little plastic thing and glue it so they had them for like hey here's what it looks like with the nutrient bits and uh every like however many of those i did they gave money to the shelter that i volunteered for so just fun fact about blue buffalo i'm not knocking paying for it other than it is expensive it is more of a treat food um, but yeah, he's just getting older, so there might be some diet considerations to make too. Yeah, yeah, because we did have some uh, cans of a uh, blue buffalo like pate uh, that we had for the cats that Phil uh, used to just absolutely love. But Sherman's reaction around it was funny because I put it out and I did put a little uh, chicken bone broth uh, in it because he's been responding to that. But I put it in the pate. He went over to the pate, sniffed it, and then started scratching the ground next to the food like he was in his litter box or something. So it's like either he was like covering it up saving it for later or he was like this is shit (laughs) (laughs) no that is a very funny way to interpret that um from what i understand for animal behavior it's the former it's usually that they're trying to save it for later 
Yeah. Um, yeah, if it were shit, they just would ignore it and probably <laughs> yeah. not pay any attention to it. But I mean, I know I've watched my cat snub some food before. Yeah. But uh, so I was very happy to see Sherman doing better. Um, as far as hijinks of moving, what's been going on with me lately is I think I live in the most persnickety, like bitchiest apartment I've ever lived in. Um, so I don't remember. Oh, really? Speaking of cats and the apartment thing, uh, Beans caught a mouse. Yes. And that turned into a hilarious roller coaster that lasted way longer than it fucking needed to. Um, <laughs> because it turns out maybe my Buddhism is a little contagious. And it turns out that my cat wouldn't even hurt a mouse. Uh, so what happened was that she had caught it, but she hadn't heard it at all. And then she just started following me around with it. Like, like, Hey, I almost could feel it in her face. Like, Hey, this need to go outside. Like you do it to bugs and the spiders. Right. Like she's well, just looking at me and I, I swear to God, like if I hadn't have been here, I don't know if I would have believed it. But the Mr. Reverend actually got a plastic bag and Beans tried to drop it in the bag to give it to him. Okay. Well, but remember, though, the cats do that as uh, she was doing that as a way of giving it to you as a gift. It was here, Ma, this is for you. I caught this for you. Do you love this fresh mouse, Ma? <laughs> You're going to eat it. You're going to like it. Eat it in front of me, Ma. <laughs> I mean, that could be it. But I go back to she's caught mouse or mice before when I haven't been home. Mm -hmm. There's never been signs that she's eaten them. And usually when they're dead, they're just like they're not hurt it seems so it's more they can die of shock and being you know played to death like if she kept dropping it and catching it again and stuff like that so mostly i think i've just decided like wow i don't think my cat actually like kills mice on purpose i don't know because i've seen i've been around a lot of cats and barn cats so i have seen that and just watching her do it was really funny <laughs> has she ever been an outside cat Mm -mm. And that's probably, I mean, but I watch yeah. her tear up her mouse toys and stuff. So it's really funny that this is like the one thing where it's like, no, I'm not going to hurt it. I'm not going to rip the stuffing out of this. I'm not going to tear it up. I'm just going to like, anyway. Well, she so doesn't have to do I mean, you make her food. She doesn't have to consider this as food. She can just consider it a curious new toy. Or, I mean, she probably knows it's it's a living thing, of course, but it's probably just, this is fun. Hey, Ma, do you want to play? <laughs> you know? Either way, whatever the reason was, we finally, as a family, and one of us not being an English speaker, got this mouse cornered. At one point, I had just left the back door open, was just hoping it would run outside. Yeah. Um, but I very bravely adorned the of glove and grabbed it by the tail and flung it out the door at one point. So okay. it ran off blissfully and probably thanking its little mousy god into the night. So that was kind of the major hydrant. She seemed very proud of herself, though. Like, she was super affectionate that whole night. So I was like, okay, you're proud and happy. You caught a mouse. Yeah, but now I guess even at her older age, she is spry. Like, but still, imagine this mouse now going back to its mouse family and being like, I was taken into this to this place and these people were catching me and this creature had me in its jaws. And they're like, shut up, Cletus. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Cletus. Yeah, never going to believe me. Fucking aliens. Yeah, it's like when a, there's like a joke, I think, from Jeff Foxworthy or one of the blue collar comedy guys where it's yeah. like... Uh, that fishing is kind of like when you throw the fish back, how you're probably that fish's like abduction oh. story. 
<laughs> that reminds me that reminds me i did on our instagram page post this uh like twitter meme of somebody stating that maybe ufos are like billionaires from other planets coming to visit us and then on instagram this podcast that talks about flat earthism challenged us as a podcast to have him on so he could convince us that the earth was flat and i went to his instagram page and the moment i saw one picture that said the moment that you believe two planes fly in the world trade center is the moment you believe a mask will protect you from a from a virus or some stupid stupid shit like that i quickly blocked the guy but people are insane yes yeah, if you can see i think i'm cool with that like I wish like I know we don't do the video anymore but like I'm sure my face told it all like yeah I think I would honestly give that one a little bit of a pass because uh, I I just don't really think there's a lot of things right like I think you especially know me well enough that I'm open to hearing and open to believing like I even joke that hey I watch ancient aliens and the deal with myself is I have to be open to believing some of it um, you know, and that's more of a, a little bit of a joke than anything, but I do yeah. try to approach conversations with that. And I just think it would be rude of me to even pretend that I'm open to believing that the world is flat. Yeah. Cause it, it, there's one thing, if you're talking about a conspiracy theory, like the JFK assassination, for instance, because there are legitimate questions about the government's official story, um, with the Warren commission and all that. And there are legitimate questions there, but flat earth we've had people go up into space and and kind of picture i mean it's come on come on yeah i just well and now come on guys we have people who travel around the earth i don't understand this like and i just realized like that really came off with way more attitude than i probably meant it but it is kind of that frustrating like i don't understand how people do believe that there's a flat earth and that is where it's like yeah maybe i, I would I'd pass. There was a part was like, ooh, how many followers does he have? But then you got into some of the other stuff, and I'm like, yeah, never mind. Yeah, I don't it, think I can good faith take that interview. Yeah, and and speaking of that, um, people like that are very much the type who uh, ignore vaccines, and because of that, we are now looking at the potential of another shutdown. Yes. Yay. <laughs> Even here in Maine, where kind of one of the perks was, you know, the Mr. Reverend and I sort of got to enjoy some before time feelings almost and not having to wear masks because before anybody gets mad at me, population density really does matter to how you need to do it. I still wasn't going up and like rubbing up against like the butts of people at grocery stores or anything. I kept my distance while not wearing a mask. But, uh, you know, the other people that I hung out with were vaccinated. Anybody that was in close proximity was vaccinated. And now we've just released that while it's not being mandated yet, our governor is like really encouraging people to wear masks. So I get to see how that plays out here, I guess. Um, yeah, and the science is out. Unfortunately, if you haven't already heard the bummer of news, the Delta variant can, in fact, be passed from people who have been vaccinated from COVID. Now, what I was unclear on was the efficacy of the other vaccination against Delta, but I think they're still figuring that out. I haven't dug into that part yet, other than we got a mask up and that's kind of where I'm like, okay, I, I know what I need to know about it so far and I will figure out my personal risk later. 
Yeah, it's kind of the same way here in Portland. Um, we did have the announcement that in Multnomah County here that they are um, requiring masks again, even if you are vaccinated. Um, and it's kind of sucks too, because the world is just kind of opening up, um, you know, as heard in the archives of the show, um, you know, it's been really nice being able to take advantage of going to the movies again, just something as, as simple as that. Um, and just hearing the, the fact that we are back at this point and the fact that it is completely preventable if every able-bodied person that could get a vaccine could just get one and yet this somehow had to become a political stunt now you know when this is all said and done i'm sure that there can be some legitimate arguments made for the media kind of overinflating things at times because the, the, you know the media does do that you know let's let's call let's call it fair but we have medical experts that, you know, uh, like uh, like Fauci, for instance, Republicans hate him, but Fauci has worked with numerous Republican presidents throughout the years. The only reason now that he's a bad guy is that he dared contradict, um, you know, the uber orange leader. And um, but I, yeah, and it's because I've noticed in the news this week too a couple of things like um, Sean Penn, uh, he has a TV show uh, on, on one streaming service, uh, I forgot which one, but the show is called Gaslit, but he is doing a good thing. He is um, refusing to go back to work until everybody on set is vaccinated, and I say that's a good thing because he is a person in position of power. As Sean Penn uh, with, with his acting um, degree being what it is, you know, he has a lot of power to you know have things happen on set and you know being able to use that power in a positive way um is good but on the flip side we have someone like eric clapton who has come out and said that you know for future shows he will not play at venues that require people to prove that they are vaccinated yeah that is uh I, i'm fine with not going to see eric clapton right now i guess is what i'm saying uh <laughs> yeah but so wait, I, I just wanted to make sure I caught that correct because the Portland to Portland difference. So you guys are already talking about mandates. Do you have one that's going into effect? Um, well, I, I posted the article up on the fans of uh, Friends Talking Nerdy page, the group page, and um, it's the the mask thing. I think is coming soon. I believe. Um, let me um, bring it up here real quick while you so distract. I can, I could totally distract and amaze. Um, but no, I guess I could just go ahead and say uh, right now in Maine, it's not required yet, but they already are saying stuff on, you know, I've, I've talked on this show about how I try to make sure I keep my pulse on society. So I've got one of those awesome little news apps. I was dorking out with Tim a little bit about it, showing how my watch was like, oh, they're talking about mass mandates in Maine right now live. <laughs> They don't talk like that here, by the way. Very intentionally doing my old country accent. But um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I had seen that. So I guess they're talking about it. But I had also seen one where they were saying, you know, hey, Maine, you should prepare to need to wear masks again. So it is kind of nice that our local moves, which is very interestingly enough, seeming some kind of mix between Fox and another one, which I, I want to look into that more and, and figure out what's going on with that because both of the uh, emblems are on the truck or something. Okay. But um, yeah, uh, but anyway, so they've started releasing like the local stuff saying, yeah, the governor's saying that we're going to start following the CDC recommendation, which says that if you have moderate spread, 
we need to consider doing masks again. And we are officially at moderate spread levels. So yeah. hey, at least I found my local apps for helping keep me informed, but not panicked. So that's always a goal for me. But so what did you find out about Portland, Oregon? Yes, from Willamette Weekly, uh, it's Multnomah County now recommends wearing a mask. So whether you're vaccinated or not. So it's it's not a mandate as of yet. So if people are fully vaccinated and they're like an outdoor event or, and they don't want to wear a mask, um, you know, it's not mandatory as of yet. But with the way things are going, it's going to get there because one avenue i like to i've you know paid attention to because they are a good barometer of you know just whether a public is going to be open or not is believe it or not pro wrestling because pro wrestling if they're traveling around the country they have to know that people are going to be there and word is that um the number two company in in the country aew um, which has a weekly show on tnt um they had just announced that they made some plans for traveling around the country but there's also backstage word that um, they are seriously concerned about the chances of those shows happening and that they are um, getting some contingency plans in place. Now, don't feel bad for them because the people that own that company own the Jacksonville Jaguars and, you know, they will be able to have shows at the place where the Jacksonville Jaguars play. So they're going to be fine. But, um, you know, as far as them not being able to tour, that's just an indication that they're getting wind that there's a chance that things would close down again. And I don't know how people are going to react in this country, you know, after having a little bit of freedom dangled in front of them. It really, really scares me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hear you. Uh, it- it's already been a problem, right? Like they've said before, like, hey, please don't go do insert thing. And then it's like the crowd gets the bad case of the yeah, but me's and they go do it anyway. And that was even early on when we were really effectively shut down so abruptly because they just wanted to learn about how this worked, how it was spread. Like, and that was the thing that I feel like a lot of people missed. They just saw being told what to do and none of the logic behind why they were being told what to do And so, yeah, I mean, and who's, that goes back to it being politicized, right? Because you can't speak logic once somebody has already had the lizard brain prodded really hard. And so once that news outlet, Fox News, already had put the headlines out there to kind of preface it that way, right? Because we've talked about how dangerous headlines can be. And maybe if it's sparking a really strong emotion in you, you should consider where you're getting your headlines from. But, right. you know, once that's already been sparked, it's kind of hard to talk logic to that again. And, and that's basic psychology of lizard brain versus logic brain. Yeah, so right now, it's, I mean... This show, like 10 years from now, is going to be interesting to kind of like listen back to um, because it's, you know, kind of tracked the entire thing from start to, you know, where we are now and then hopefully when it will finish at some point. So, you know, going back and kind of re-listening to how the world was crazy uh, may be interesting and whatnot, but I'm... I, I hope I hope enough people get vaccinated quick enough that these variants do not become a serious issue. But just if you haven't done so already, 
get vaccinated, wear a mask. You are, it's, you are not joint becoming a socialist by doing that. So um, anyway, you are, are you having issues yeah. with your camera right now? <laughs> oh, am I? No, I actually wanted to show you, I was trying to be discreet. I wanted to show you um, the interesting app and it shows Fox News and CBS. Is that who the eyeball is? Yes. Anywho, so that's what I thought was interesting that I kind of was trying to express earlier. So I was going, that's what I was trying to do. My bad. Sorry for the distraction. <laughs> I'm on the podcast recording. We are scotch professionals here at Friends Talking Nerdy. We are. And uh, I'm still getting over the complications of not having internet just yet. So I can't just discreetly look shit up on my computer and, and go unnoticed by Tim because all he sees is my finger poking at my camera probably. So, uh, well, the camera, the, the camera went off for a second. It was back to uh, your profile picture. Uh, so, oh, I, I mean, it, it may have been, or maybe the phone went to sleep or something like that. But um, any, anyway, the, enough about the pandemic. We, we, you know, if you have common sense, you know what to do. Mask up. If you haven't vaccinated yet, get yourself vaccinated. Otherwise, just stay safe. You know, keep keep cautious too. I mean, we have freedom. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to go out all the time because it, it's there. Have a little common sense for now. Just you know, let's not really screw this up. Exactly. And if you can't get vaccinated, and I'm not going to sit here and say which reasons are valid or which ones are not, because your life is not mine. But if you can't get vaccinated, mask wearing is to me not an unreasonable ask to like not hurt other people or even yourself. So, I mean, if you want to go that turn about it, too, there's that way. But, you know, wearing a mask, staying home, sending, I mean, I've got loved ones who aren't vaccinated, but they are sending other loved ones out to the stores for them. Like there are workarounds if you cannot or even I dare say do not want to get the vaccine. There are, yeah, I mean, still, I I, I kind of am overall, I'm unconvinced why some people feel they, they just don't want to. I don't fully understand it, but I also try to realize I don't live their life. And uh, I've got this whole weird nagging thing in my head is like, yeah, but everybody hasn't exposed, been exposed to the exact same information you have in the order you were exposed to it. Uh, I don't know. It is a pickle because it's like there's friendships being lost over it. But like you said, to, to move away from, from pandemic talk because it's been a year of our life now. <laughs> yeah. We could talk about some of the stuff going on in the Olympics, right? Because exactly. that's worthy. Yep. Um, yeah, so I think I had shared, I don't remember if I shared it on uh, the Friends Talking Nerdy group, but if I haven't, I should. But there was a really nice article put together called like About Time and Gay Athletes Unleash Rainbow Wave on the Olympics. And essentially just that we are kind of in a point that, uh, you know, I don't think that people really fully realize that being queer is still something that you feel like you have to keep closeted in, in certain venues. And there are some, and yeah, when you think about it, the Olympics hasn't been a place where anybody has probably held the hand of their gay lover or their partner or, you know, their partners if they're polyamorous, which is still like a subset of the queer community that still faces a lot of discrimination. Like, so it's really awesome to start seeing things like this. And these are the kind of news stories that I like to see and that make me so happy. Nice. Um, and th now I know the article you mentioned, I think you did post it on the group page. Um, which people were they talking of specifically? Well, they were, they mentioned immediately Tom 
daily. But he announced in 2013 that he was dating a man and couldn't be happier. But they're really talking about how it's just kind of becoming more acceptable and how even, um, gosh, what was it? Openly gay competitors in Tokyo, even, which I'm not sure their culture there with that, because I think that's a lot of the thing with the Olympics is you're dealing with so many different cultures and there are a number of them that are not okay with the queer community. And it's still very much like how it used to be here. Like, well, what you do is behind closed doors, but we don't need to hear about it. Um, so really, it was just talking about a rave of rainbow-colored pride, openness, and acceptance, which seems to be kind of generally coming through the Olympics, that people are more open about being not in the closet about their relationships, and even some of them being as, as comfortable as holding hands at some of the celebrations that they're at. So it was really more of a remark of finally seeing those signs of acceptance in something that has so many different cultures intermixed. And that is one thing that sports uh, and entertainment can do so well. Um, you know, I think of professional wrestling. Uh, for, I, I would love to, I guess I'm going to big kick this week in pro wrestling, but um, they travel in, in, in non-pandemic times, they travel to the Middle East routinely. And in the Middle East, we know when it comes to women's rights, they're not the best, you know, as far as how America judge, judges them. Um, but the D WWE has been able to make some inroads in terms of uh, having uh, female performers actually be able to perform in front of, uh, you know, groups of people in front of men and women. And by all accounts, that has definitely led to some, uh, you know, like young girls in that area, you know, just definitely being inspired by, you know, seeing women getting there and doing the same things that are the guys are doing. And it seems like fun and you know art you know arts sports stuff like that can definitely um open people's minds it's and it's it's a seed planting too because it's not something that you know it's not like uh, like olympic uh, uh, uh olympic olympic person who wins a gold medal goes to their gay lover and then that means the middle east is going to be totally supportive of gays like that but it plants a seed that's what we want that's 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 the beauty of what sports can do Exactly. And part of what that article had talked about. So if you didn't get a chance to click on it and read it, I mean, you totally can. Um, it talks about, which I thought it was kind of funny because I guess there's this gay website called Outsports. And I don't know, I found it a little creepy at first to read that they have been tallying the numbers of publicly out gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and, and queer community. Like there's part of like, mm, that seems like a weird hobby, but okay, not everything's for me. But really it goes to show why you do stuff like that. And, and part of, I guess, why is, and, and I'll just read the quote, quote, the massive increase in the number of out athletes reflects the growing acceptance of the LGBTQ people in sports and society so if you ever wonder why people collect information like that it's so that we can have good news like this sometimes but so yay there's signs of more growth and acceptance something i'm a big fan of um because as a queer person um and also a, a vagina born person as i like to kind of say i am an owner of one I, I noticed that a lot of the queer community, like in some of the groups, like tend to get looped in with women's groups. Uh, one, for example, is I could always find women's climbing groups and women's hiking groups. And then there are gay groups too, but that's not always as inclusive as the full queer community. 
Mm. So I, I found like a lacking of just true queer support in some of the groups. That was something that I thought was really awesome about here because I, I met somebody who is starting a queer climbing group that is kind of meant to really incorporate like that kind of community. Um, so yeah, exciting times. I love seeing more embracing of people being different. You know, it, it makes people more comfortable being them. Yes. And someone else, I think another Olympian, I, I feel we should be proud of is Simone Biles, the gymnast. And yeah. why do I think we should um, be happy and supportive and proud of what she did? Um, she, for mental health reasons, uh, decided to bow out of the Olympics. And I think that is an important thing for athletes in this country, for uh, just athletes in general, because for too long, um, how many stories have you heard about athletes that have been pushed to keep on going, even though they have an injury? You know, I think of um, the 1996 Olympics uh, in wrestling, Kurt Angle, who went on to become a professional wrestler, but legitimately he was in the 1996 Olympics and won a gold medal, but he had a broken neck when he did that. Yeah. Is that, is that honorable or is that just dumb? That's dumb. I think it just it goes to show how important being the best is to some countries. Um, that even goes into I had just shared a story about um, who was she with? Was she? It said uh, was she Russian? I forget. It was Elena Mankina. I'm really bad with names, but I still try. But yeah, Soviet gymnast coaches pressured doctors to remove her cast early so that she could do like the 1980s Olympics. And I guess she was, she tried to protest it. She tried to say no. She knew she wasn't healed and she got pushed anyway. And while practicing a move called the Thomas Salto, which was banned since then for being like, too dangerous to do um basically her leg failed like she was afraid it would and she wound up landing on her chin she broke her neck and became quadriplegic for the rest of her life she was only 20 only yes. 20 so the 20 year old had the sense of their own body to say hey i really don't think my body can do this it doesn't matter if it's because of a broken leg or a broken neck or or mental health if you know your body and you're saying you can't do this, you can't perform your optimal level, and this is a dangerous, very physically demanding sport, by the way. Like, this is not swinging on the monkey bars. This is a very intense thing. Come on, these are Olympians. If anybody could just roll out of bed, do it with a, like, kick off their splint and do it the next day, it probably wouldn't be in the Olympics. I mean, so, yeah, yeah think Oh, sorry. Think about the strength it takes to be able to just do one flip as a human being, being able to flip. Now imagine not having the strength to do an entire turnaround and you land on your neck. You know, exactly. And I think it just people's reaction to this is just so interesting. And I think it goes to show just how far we need to come in our understanding of mental health and how important it is. And that, yes, it is very much just as important as that person's broken leg. 
Another example I read was also from the 96 Olympics, and um, I believe her name was Carrie Strug. Uh, she was a gymnast at the time, and um, she had an injured leg as well. And it, it was a, a guy, I, I read this on Facebook, a guy talking about re-watching this with his daughters in modern times. And, you know, how the coach at the time said, uh, you know, like, you push through it, push through it, shake your leg up, because she had a leg injury, and then forced her to go back out there and do it. And this guy said, watch that again with his daughters he felt ill because his i mean his daughters turned to him and says she's hurt why why is she going out there why are they making her go out and do that and it, and and he thought you know that was not courage because when it happened at the time i do remember that you know they presented it as as you know she sucked it up she got the courage out there but also remember too the a lot of the mental pressures that these women in the gymnastics were going through because they had a doctor as a part of the U.S. Gym, uh, US gymnastics team that was molesting them all during this whole time, too. So it's, it's you know, I, for Simone Biles, I commend her for doing this because we need more athletes to stand up and say, it is okay to take care of yourself. You do not need to put yourself into danger for a gold medal because how are you going to enjoy that with a broken neck? Or being quadruplated. Yeah, because... I, one part that I really loved about a story that I had shared was the idea of, I would much rather read the headline that says somebody pulls out of a team final for mental health reasons than to be greeted with, you know, Simone Biles paralyzed during dismount. Um, I would much rather support uh, somebody for listening to their body, listening to their mind, because those things are very much connected. If you don't believe me, feel free to, to you can Google educate yourself on it all you want. But I'm a very firm believer that mental health and physical health are very much interconnected um, because as my other stuff that I do with there is life after trauma I talk about that. And then on my own profile, I talk very openly about, yeah, I cortisol management, man, like, because that shit is connected. I need to do the physical health to have the mental health, but I also have to do the mental hygiene to have the physical health. So yes. big, big believers, those are connected. I, I applaud Simone very, very openly. Thank you for being an example of saying fucking no, when you know that your body isn't at a point of doing it. So Big kudos, huge. Yes, amen to that. Now, one thing that has come out of that that I felt has been interesting in a really stupid way is the people that are coming out and and conservatives, mind you, um, you know, conservatives with my physique, a little bit of a gut or something. They're they're saying she let America down, that she's a quitter, that oh. that you know, it's it's. I I, ugh, I I don't if get. Wanna, if, you just, if you want a gold medal so bad, you go practice for the Olympics. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. it, that's like such a weird passive aggressive controlling bullshit. It's like if your if your romantic partner did that to you, you it would be so clear that that is like manipulation and emotional blackmail. So I just think it's funny that these dudes are like trying to emotionally blackmail Simone Biles by. We're having a widow shame party that she did America a sad. 
you know what? We kind of have a pandemic and some other things going on right now that I think really warrant your attention more than not winning at the Olympics and your pissing contest between another country. And because that's what I almost feel like some of it is, right? Like, please, please feel free to put me in my place if I'm wrong. No, um, these these are the people. I mean, these are the people that, I mean, they'll badmouth her and say she's an American, but the people on January 6th were just tourists. They were there for fun, <laughs> you know? Right? Like, God, talk about fucked up priorities. And the Olympics isn't even supposed to be about that. It's supposed to be about bringing countries together and some unity and some good healthy awesome competition that yeah. is actually supposed to be the heart of the olympics that's why it's people holding hands and rings and shit the, like there, it's not supposed to be this country's the best like come on there is nothing wrong with competitive being competitive there's nothing wrong with showmanship there's nothing wrong with supporting a team you know it's like yeah if america won a lot of medals it would be great i guess is that going to change my world no but it's like yay sports but again, priorities here, priorities, you know, it's like, I, I love too how th when it comes to the Olympics, when the Olympics happen, everybody's like, I totally love them. I totally love them. But the moment the Olympics are done, do you think people are going to want to watch the luge? Are they going to want to watch skeet shooting or whatever they do during the summer Olympics now? It's just silly. I, it's just people get brought up into this nonsense and it's, it's silly. You know, I mean, yeah. if you, it, 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 it just seems wrapped around the axle around something unimportant. Um, but it, basically, winning a medal is not more important than the life of that person that you're trying to make do the competition that you're not doing your damn self. Exactly. Exactly. So, conservatives, fuck off. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on here. Last week, we talked about Kevin Smith and uh, a little something uh, that I thought was interesting um, in the news happened involving him. So I thought we would talk about it. Um, his new cartoon, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, the first half of season one, dropped on Netflix and it made white guys around the United States crazy. Why is that? Because um, in the first half of this season, now the season is not done. What we have is like a cliffhanger that will lead into part two. But um, for these, this, I don't plan to watch it. I don't think you're going to plan to watch it. So I'm going to go into some spoilers here. Um, He-Man in the story is killed early on in the first episode. And when you see him in the other episodes, there are a total of five episodes to start the season off. You see him mostly in flashbacks. The main character that we are following in the present story is a is a woman um, played by Sarah Michelle Gellar. That's oh, what's pissing that's people Sarah off. Gellar, okay. Yeah, and um, but that's what's making people mad because you got a bunch of alt right goons um, that. that 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 have come out and said that he-man is now woke he-man is an sjw show and all that stuff and and kevin smith has has just been getting a lot of shit like his uh, show on um rotten tomato the show on rotten tomatoes has been review bombed you know people have just gone gone there for the audience uh uh review and just given it all one star so it, you'll notice like uh critics give it like a big score it has a high score for critics and like under 20 percent for fan scores and um but kevin smith has done one thing that i did appreciate he has come out on his podcast and told those people to grow the fuck up because it's he man and he pointed out one thing too is that the season's not over you know, it's like the second half of the season is coming out later 
and it's He-Man. He-Man's going to come back, you know? Like, and, you, you have no idea what the plan is for this show, and you're having yourself a little poopy bottom lip bird moment because it's not going the way that you thought. It, it goes back to write your own cartoon then. Make your own. If you're so disappointed in the creative outlet that somebody has given you, yeah. then go make your own. Like... Uh, I, I don't get why people get it all into this. And by the way, do people really like go to Rotten Tomatoes to decide what to watch and not watch? Because I think he's like big name enough that people are going to watch it or not watch it based on name of what it is and Kevin Smith. Like, I, I don't think people really base it that much off of Rotten Tomatoes because personally, I found it to be wrong several times for my personal taste. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that. It, Rotten Tomatoes is not like a Siskel and Ebert. Um, Siskel and Ebert, at least you understood where they were coming from. And even if you didn't agree with their take, you could at least respect it. Um, with how Rotten Tomatoes does things, I don't I, I don't listen to them at all because, you know, even the ones that they say are bad are ones that just had the majority of people that didn't necessarily care for it. But again, doesn't make it bad. And, um, and But they don't tell you really why. It's just an aggregate number. It's not giving you specific reasons. So I've never paid attention to it. And I don't know anybody that really does. Maybe if something came out with like a zero percent then i'm thinking maybe but you know even then some of the zero percent ones have some charm you know freddie got fingered i believe is at zero percent yeah i think i think comparing um rotten tomatoes to siskel and ebert is much like comparing yelp to like an actual food critic um yeah. I, I would probably take the food critics advice a little bit more seriously than Yelp. But even on Yelp, you know, I read what the one-star reviews are. Is it just somebody being bitchy because they didn't get a thing they wanted? Or were there actually like legitimate concerns? Like I, I'm a Google guide person, so I do try to like do stuff. But when it isn't a five-star review, I notice I actually talk more because I want to explain why. Like, what took away from my experience there versus, like, if it's five stars, it's like, hey, there was, like, nothing bad to report. Awesome burgers. Here's a picture. Ka-chow. Um, But yeah. I guess, like, I've never really taken Rotten Tomatoes with that. Like, I wouldn't even take the effort to go and read the one-star reviews to see if they're petty or not because I just assume most of them are just kind of silly and... I don't know. I don't understand going and reviewing something of an artwork to be a one star personally. I, I you know, I, I wouldn't even do it with movies that I dislike. And, and, and yeah, if I really dislike a movie, why am I going to go out of my way to focus on it, to expend any sort of mental energy on it by writing something up? To me, that's a complete waste of time. That doesn't mean I, I wouldn't take time, like on the show here, for instance, to talk about a movie I may not like. I think you can have an honest discourse about stuff you don't like, but when it's just, yeah. this sucks, how, how is that helping anybody? It's not. You're just being a jackass. I could totally go on to Ernie Klein, um, Ready Player Two, and give it a one-star review and call him names because I'm still, and I am, I'm personally offended by the weird comment about non-binary sex because it's like, what do you think that is exactly? Um, but, you know, I could you do that, but why? Like, are there some people that that sentence didn't bother at all? You know, it's probably because I'm non-binary that it really stood out to me as being a really fucking weird thing to say. Yeah. But um, I'm not going to go and, and trash it. 
because of one sentence that I heard about in a book. Um, so it just kind of feels like that's what's happening is they got part of the first season. They didn't like what they saw right there. So now they're going to go trash it before it's even done. Um, I guess that is kind of a risk you take when uh, you make it sound like possibly it's going to be about one character and then you make it about an opposing gender character. But I don't know. I've liked Kevin Smith whenever he's taken risks in the past. So I almost want to maybe go watch this just to see what he does with the second half. So thank you, haters. You actually got someone else to watch it. Backfire. Yeah. And, and, and I'm glad you brought that point up too, because yeah, if this, if, if, if it was released as a complete season and he had heavily promoted it as he man will be in every single episode and kicking ass along the way. And then they killed him and then didn't really talk about him. Yeah, people would have a legitimate point to be met, but that's not what's happening here. One and two, the season's not over. We have a to be continued at the end of episode five here. Once the rest of the season comes, we will find out what happens. And this is he, man. He's coming back. Probably. And if he doesn't, I'm sure they're going to take some other turn with it. And I hope other people pick it up and love it because it turns out to be their thing where they may not have been interested in seeing He-Man. Maybe there are enough people out there that would be interested in watching a female protagonist character kind of take over the reins. We've seen like other trade-offs and other movies do this where we don't have the same Captain America anymore, you know, and we don't have the same Spider-Man anymore. It, it's okay to hand the reins off. It doesn't all need to be you tripping on nostalgia constantly. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to see new creations instead of rewashes of things. It's, I personally view it as a good thing. That and uh, the beauty of what's being done here is this, even though this is a reboot, what he has done by giving some focus to this character, this character was in the original show, but if you watch the original show, you know, it was made just for boys. So the female characters didn't have much to do by doing this by, I believe the character's name is Vila, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong by focusing on her character. If enough people are interested and the numbers are high enough, guess who's getting a new show. That's more, more content that's created in, in a new audience that you can introduce by simply just having a female, uh, 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 an honest to goodness, real female character there, not a two dimensional stick figure. Yeah, I, it is kind of funny though, because you, you kind of make this assumption of people sometimes, which I realize is probably bad that I do this, but it's like, you realize that these are the same people that will totally stop watching like something like this over it, not meeting some expectation that it needed to be like the male protagonist they expected. But they will continue to watch like, you know, I, I don't want to say Cosby. I think Cosby very effectively got canceled, but like other artists that have actually done some pretty not great things. Andrew they Dice will Clay. continue to pay and consume for that. But heaven fucking forbid that a show not meet your expectations, right? <laughs> Yes, a show that was aimed at kids is not meeting your expectations as a 45-year-old guy. <laughs> yeah, you know? because not everything is made for you to feel nostalgia feelings. I understand nostalgia is a very good feeling. There's a lot of really cool psychology behind like why we get nostalgia and mm -hmm. probably why we've had such an uptick like even since 2016, but then again also through 
the pandemic is there is something that like tickles part of our brain and increases some good happy feelings but it is fleeting and we don't need everything to be a nostalgia trip i don't know i i think it's funny that i went from not knowing anything about the show to now being really ready to watch it and support it because i mean not if i don't like it honestly if i was like oh okay well the script is kind of lame but it's also for children i'm still not going to go tank review it because it's not for me yeah. It's for kids. Well, Mark Hamill is Skeletor. <gasps> oh, that's amazing. And see, I love that even more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, Kevin Smith called in a lot of favors. So like a lot of the voice cast are people he's worked with before, um, or at least, you know, he's friendly with, you know, I don't think he's worked with Sarah Michelle Geller before, but I know he's worked with people that, that, they, they run in the same circles. I know that much. So yeah, I mean, but that goes back to I always thought that was a good sign with like comedians slash actors. Like when you notice that they do a lot of repeats with each other and work together a lot, like it becomes kind of their own little community. Yeah. Um, so I I could see that. And you know, Mark Hamill was in James Silent Bob Strike Back. Um, I'm pretty sure he's also been in something else of of that real of that uh what's that that world the jay and silent Bob the world I thought the universe views um yeah i i he's been involved in some stuff i i off the top of my head i couldn't i couldn't tell you but i know him and kevin smith are are still very much good friends um jay and silent bob strike back was what got them together um but you know but that's the thing too because uh mark hamill talked about you know like normally because of the amount of people that want to ask him star wars questions he doesn't like to talk about it as much and i get that but you know with kevin smith he was comfortable enough with him that you know they they talk about it. and same thing with Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher, um, Kevin Smith told a story about like this um, like charity book of book reading event he had at his house and Carrie a uh, poetry reading. That's right. And Carrie Fisher came and off the top of her head just memorization gave the "Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope" speech in front of the crew. But that shows what type of friendship that Kevin was able to get with her to do that because she was in the same spot. You know, just imagine how many people wanted to ask her Star Wars questions over the years and you know that would be annoying you know so isn't that kind of amazing how that played out for kevin smith because you know at one point he wasn't anybody he mm-hmm. was that kid that watched star wars so that is really kind of epically fucking cool that he got to kind of be friends with like some of his nerd origination you know, uh, yeah, I mean, th- yeah, Mark, Mark and Carrie, uh, he was a big friend with Stan Lee. Um, he, you know, through stuff like Chasing Amy and, and his own comic book fandom, he was able to write comics for both Marvel and DC. Um, so, you know, he's had his hands in a lot of cookie pots that um, that, you know, he's I'm sure he would very much say he is very lucky to be able to do just because of the opportunities that his movies gave him. So, yeah, because we ta- point, he was a kid. That's all. Just at one point, he was a kid that liked a movie. Yeah. And and it was that those movies that inspired him to do his thing. And now he's got a way to honor his heroes and, and still uh, find a way to give back. So speaking of movies, last night with The Professor, we went to the Hollywood Theater and I got to cross another movie off my bucket list. Nice. Um, yes as we record this today today is a wednesday so the wednesday episode that dropped today was about another movie that we saw we saw two movies uh that cross off my bucket list so we saw both the wizard of oz at the hollywood which was amazing and last night we saw Smokey and the bandit 
I do love just a quick shout out to the Hollywood theater. Um, I know it sounds like we're probably going to go through another wave of some closures, but especially once we do figure out what new normal is. Yeah. I recommend it's such a good venue to enjoy a movie. They really do like make it kind of nice there, even though it's like, it's not the fanciest place, but I like the attitude of the moviegoers. Um, went to that Adam West showing of Batman. Yeah, we did. Yeah. That's didn't we go? Wasn't that something we had done together? Okay. Yeah. I was pretty sure. I was like, yeah, I was like, pretty sure we went to the Hollywood the one time. I, I loved it because they're clapping. There's just this really nice atmosphere there. So how was watching that at the Hollywood theater? Oh, it was great. Um, I mean, for the folks that um, are listening to me talk right now, uh, you can go back in the archives and hear my thoughts on The Wizard of Oz. As far as Smokey and the Bandit, being able to see some of those scenes of like uh, Burt Reynolds being Burt Reynolds, you know, just his charisma, like that scene early on where uh, his first chase with a cop and he escapes the cop and then um, like looks into the camera for the first time and smiles. The audience was just dying laughing. Um, and of course, the one who got the most laugh was Sheriff Buford T. Justice, the great Jackie Gleason. Um, you know, just I, I love that line of his like when he's talking to his son. Remind me when I go home, I'm gonna go through that dough and punch your mama right in the mouth <laughs> after he for for giving birth to their son <laughs> and whatnot. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but uh, yeah, but um, the these past few movies have really got me thinking about my movie bucket list. Me, I have movies that uh, I really hope to see on the big screen before I die and you know Portland being Portland thankfully I've gotten to cross a number of those movies off my bucket list so I, I think I have a very very good chance of these being crossed off hopefully someday soon but I thought we would go through my list of five I got more than five but I thought we would stick with five and talk about just the movies real quickly too so are you ready Oh, yeah. I mean, we covered I don't have any. Uh, I think all I've got, just if anybody was curious out there, I really want to see Wicked live, like to the tune of I will be like, mm, are you playing a song from Wicked? And I will make people like, please don't play that because I've already heard like one or two of the songs. And I'm trying really hard to keep it so I could see it in person. But yeah, no, no big screen movies for me. So take it away. TM. All right, so this will not be a proper nerdy five here, so a half nerdy five maybe. So, uh, but number one on my list came out in I believe either ninety one or ninety two. We're at its almost thirty year anniversary. Terminator Two: Judgment Day. I never saw that on the big screen, and I would absolutely love to be able, uh, you know, hasta la vista, baby. Come on. Who wouldn't love to see Arnold being Arnold on the big screen doing that? And and there are just a couple scenes that I would love to see too, like um, you know, at the beginning after John Connor uh, escapes out of the mall and um, the Terminators start you know chasing after him, and um, that where they're in that little gully and John's riding on the little uh, like dirt bike and the semis chasing after him, but then on the big Harley motorcycle, the Terminator jumps down, just badass action scene. I would really really love to see. Uh, that on the big screen i've seen the first terminator thanks to the laurelhurst theater um but terminator 2 judgment day i would love to see that on a big screen what are your thoughts on t2 i've seen it um 
on the climactic response. Like I know it's been on in the background. I could see where like some of the older movies might be fun to see on a big screen, um, especially like some of the more action-packed ones, uh, like that. Right? You're talking about like jumping out of stuff, but uh, yeah. while probably on fire and explosions, kapows in the background. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, would you think that it would have to be remastered, or would it be like, uh, for example, I remember when they re-released Final Fantasy VII, and how funny that was because they remastered nothing, but TVs got so much bigger. And I was like, wow, this game is blocky as fuck. <laughs> so, I mean, I would imagine if they're, you think if they do them on the big screen, they try and remaster them for the quality that big screens offer now, or do you think that would be necessary? I mean, I, who knows? I did like James Cameron just got the rights to the Terminator franchise back. Um, unfortunately, with the failure of the Terminator Dark Fate movie, who knows if they're going to make any more. Um, but as far as like if they did a re release, it's certainly possible. I just, I've never gotten the impression that Jim Cameron is like a George Lucas. He's never been a tinkerer. You know, when he's released a movie, it's generally just here you go, you know? Um, and, and, you know, there may be some like added scenes, like I know Terminator two, for instance, on the DVD uh, there, there is a DVD version that you can, you can get that has some additional scenes that weren't in the theatrical cut of the film. So it's minor. So, it, but it's not like, uh, it's not like the star Wars special editions. It's not like an almost new version. So I don't think we would be going the George Lucas route, but we could see like new scenes maybe. Yeah. 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 But as far as like the effects, I think, you know, um, by today's standards, I think people may be like, that's cute, but I still think they do hold up, especially the liquid metal uh, uh, stuff. I mean, uh, for being able to do what they did in 92 shouldn't have happened. And in, you know, look what they were able to do there, but um, I'll go on to my second movie here. One I've talked about before, so I don't think we have to go through this too much. Superman, the movie, 78. I mean, I would just absolutely love to be in a theater to have, you know, surround sound just playing John Williams' music more than anything. I mean, that's that's one of John Williams' best scores. Um, and then seeing Christopher Reeve on the big screen, I probably would just be, like, just weeping throughout the whole movie. Like, it, I, I would be like that... Uh, that episode of Family Guy where Peter's uh, started uh, becoming a fan of like chick movies, as he called it. And then like at the end of like the movie, he like stands up, he's crying. He's like, yeah, and that, that would be me and Superman. <laughs> so well, do you have any- they, they haven't done anything like that because wasn't Batman something they had done with Adam West's passing? So I would almost keep an eye out like around an anniversary of his or something, right? Like, I uh, well, think they do it. I mean, it's... Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't think there's never going to be a time where a, some movie theater in Portland will show it. But having said that, the director, Richard Donner, as we discussed last uh, on our last episode, um, it passed away. And the only uh, movie that the Hollywood showing of his is in late August, and that's The Omen. So I don't n- know if it's going to be something that's anytime soon. Um, and you know, just the omen of all things. Um, you know, they couldn't show Lethal Weapon. I mean, but I don't know. But yeah, it sounds uh, like there might be some uh, copyright complications. You know what I mean? Because it like why the omen? Like it's such it. Uh, my my first thought is that it really reduces your audience because not everybody is into the scary movies, especially scary children. Seems to be like one of those kind of. Being somebody that works in a haunt, it's like clowns and children and pets, like really unglue a big amount of people. 
So I could really see that kind of limiting who comes. So I'm wondering, but maybe later they will once things get figured out. We know death complicates shit sometimes. So yeah. maybe they might be trying to figure out who has the rights to ask whether yeah. they can buy it. <laughs> well, with Superman, it's it's simply just Warner Brothers. So and and Warner Brothers usually is pretty good about their um and, and that would be the same thing with like Lethal Weapon as well. Um Disney, on the other hand, um is notorious about not letting their films play in, in essentially second run theaters um like that. So you know, you're not gonna generally see like uh, an independent theater in the middle of nowhere being able to play like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That's just never going to happen. But that's also never going to happen oh, now. On, wasn't for... there like a teacher? I was going to say, sorry, wasn't there like a teacher that played it like during the like early on of the pandemic or something and like Disney tried to sue the school or something? Yeah. yeah, yeah they're, like, they're, uh, they're really that, that bad about it. They They yeah. are like, they will screw you if you do something they don't like. There was a father in uh, Great Britain whose child died. His child was a big fan of Spider-Man and he wanted to have a headstone with Spider-Man. And the people that made the headstone said, legally, we can't do it unless we have permission. The father asked Disney, because Disney owns Marvel, Disney said no. Oh, Disney, no. I don't know if I can... Wow. that See, that's the stuff that makes me not want to support him. I'm like, come on. Yeah. It's a who's dead nobody's trying to make money off of that they the, i mean their reasoning is that they don't want the character associated with death headstones stuff like that they don't want to give the impression that they're trying to profit off of it i guess and and I, I get that, but you know why? You know, think of um, like for the longest time, Star Trek, for instance. Take Star Trek has uh, fans of Star Trek have gotten together on their own with their own money and have produced their own versions of like episodes of Star Trek that the CBS has very much been aware of, but they've allowed to happen just because you know these people are not trying to make money off of it. So CBS thought it was cool. So I, I, I don't get why Disney doesn't do that because when, when Disney does stuff like this, fans like myself have the reaction that we're both having right now. It's just like, you, you don't do that. There's your, your character, your IP are not like the IP Apple has with their computers. They mean more to people than just a computer means to somebody. These are characters that have been in their lives in, you know, Disney's case since their childhood. They mean a lot to them. They're almost like family members and to treat it like, you know, Apple would treat a computer is just wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. Like context kind of matters. And it sounds like the, the gravestone would have been a, a good one to just give them permission to do it. Like, yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't necessarily feel that as the most genuine response. Is the that, that more sounds like a bunch of people sat down and said, "Shit, how do we say no to this and not look like assholes?" It's like, oh well, we'll just say we don't want Spider-Man associated with death. That'll work. And uh, I don't know. That's how I kind of feel. <laughs> I'm open to people yeah. interpreting it differently, but it just feels kind of like gross. But that's also just because they have a history. Of, of being kind of gross. At least they did drop that lawsuit from that school though. They they wound up not pursuing that because I don't know, probably the same five people in the room as the let's not have Spider-Man put on a gravestone committee probably couldn't think of anything good. So they just dropped it. But um, 
And and that's the thing with Disney. It's like the negative press that they get for saying no, I think far outweighs any sort of damage that could potentially happen if like they had just let the Spider-Man be etched on this kid's gravestone. You know, I mean, nobody probably would have even seen it or heard of it. Like who's going to walk through like, oh, Spider-Man is death now. Like people barely go to graveyard like i know i like running through them and that's just something that i do i it's peaceful for me it's a nice place to go have a jog imho Uh but uh most people don't do that most people don't go and just look around gravestones and stuff so anyway i'll my brain is done processing the ridiculousness that is that story and now i know that thank you tim i didn't need to know that disney was petty about a little boy's gravestone that's a bummer yeah yeah so thank you disney so yeah let's talk about our next movie number three we're gonna go to the biggest movie of 1989 the only tim burton movie i will want to watch in a theater now and that is batman from michael keaton i've not watched that in theaters i thought you were gonna say the muppets no tim burton um I, he may have done some work on the Muppets. I with like the Muppets, like because he was like a Disney animator in the late seventies, and I, he was also interested in puppetry. So it's yeah, I think he may have done some work with Jim Henson at some point. Okay, I'm probably just mixing up words, but anyway, yeah. continue. Anyway, your, but your anyway, movie. yes, Batman eighty. <laughs> yeah, Batman eighty nine. Um, like when it came out, like. Um, I was I didn't go to the movies as much so the only way I was able to see that until years later was my mother bought me the, the, in, back in the 80s before you had before you could have streaming um, or if you didn't have a VCR they would make novelizations of movies and I read the novelization of Batman so that but um, uh, yeah I mean Jack Nicholson as the Joker I, I you know just seeing him on, on the big screen chewing up scenery um, you know uttering one of my favorite lines uh, like when uh, uh, Vicky Vale um, the, played by Kim Basinger you know is, is like scared at the museum the Joker's just gassed everybody she goes to him and she, she turns to him and goes you're crazy and he goes but I thought I was a Pisces love that line love that line I'd love to see it on the big screen but any memories about Batman yeah so I mean I haven't seen Batman 80 89 you said I was I was four at the time so I definitely did not catch it in theaters and I don't think I quite had the dexterity and ability to even understand the picture books maybe just yet but mm. uh I can understand like a lot of appeal to seeing some of those older movies in the big screen though because I, I know like I personally am not big into the big theater and how noisy and the people, but there's a lot of people that can get so into the big screen and being surrounded by the sound that that doesn't matter to them. And I could see that being a very appealing thing. Like maybe I'd have more of a list if I could rent out the theaters by myself, but that just seems like very bougie and unlikely in my life. Like I'm not rolling in dough folks, spoiler alert. Um, uh, so, but I can see why that makes sense. Yeah. Another, I mean, that's another reason I love Portland and I love having a Hollywood theater membership because Hollywood theater now owns a, um, uh, a, a place in town called movie madness, which is an, uh, independent, uh, uh, video store. But what they have on the inside is a little mini theater you can rent 
and with a Hollywood theater membership that gives you a discount on it and like you you would essentially be paying for uh, you I think it's like 200 bucks but you get to like pick the movies uh, that go in there and you can have a like up to like I believe 10 people in there watching that movie so if um, you know look uh, for the local independent movie scene in your area to see if maybe they have something similar because it wouldn't shock me because uh, that may be what uh, movies may go towards uh, in the future too, you know, in terms of kind of going away from the corporate aspect that you get from like Regal theaters or AMC theaters, but make them more smaller um, to where you have more control over what you watch and essentially you'd be renting a room or something like that. Would you do something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that one I totally would. That seems, that seems reasonable. So I guess maybe, maybe I could have maybe mustered up a list. Maybe I gave up on this one a little bit too fast. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it would, it would kind of take that though. And I, I guess that is a good way to do it. But maybe I'll have to look into that and see what is local. What there might be an equivalent here. I do know that there's like some decent theater groups. There is some of that creativity and quirkiness in the area. So I should see if there's a place that would be like the Hollywood. I would. Yeah. I mean, it, I can't, I mean, for a smaller town, who knows these days, I mean, a lot of places just don't have the money to have uh, an arts venue of that type, uh, excuse me, set up. But if uh, you do, that would definitely uh, be awesome. Then you would have a little more control if uh, you were able to rent something like that. But how about I go to number four on the list here? Go for it. Okay. Number four on my list we got to go with at least one James Bond movie. For me, the types of movies I want to see are, you know, just spectacles and Bond essentially created spectacle. And if you're going to watch a James Bond movie on the big screen, there are a number to choose from. And this was hard to pick just one. I had to go with Goldfinger. Goldfinger. I only know that because Goldmember made fun of it. So I I will totally... (laughs) own early i have not seen a lot of james bond so it's uh was the third film in the series but it was the first one that got the formula right the 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 previous two uh dr no and from russia with love um were almost there but they didn't have it just yet and i mean because sometimes with artistic stuff it takes a while to get into the groove and uh by the third movie they got into the groove um you know just the opening scene alone where um he's like fighting a guy in a room that throws the guy into a bathtub that's filled with water and then just as a guy's reaching for a gun bond throws something electrical in the bathtub electrocuting the guy and then picks up his gun and goes shocking and then goes to the door positively oh, shocking and then walks out that door what is shocking shocking <laughs> shocking <laughs> what the shock yes but the, the l- shock? I know. We will go with my last one here. This is the newest movie on the list and one that I did not see in theaters. And initially, I kind of pirated it. Whoops. (laughs) Um, It's a little 2012 independent movie you may have heard of called The Avengers. I didn't see that on the big screen. I would love to see it on the big screen. Oh, you didn't see The Avengers? I think I actually did catch that one. I may have actually seen the Avengers. See, it's like I know I've seen movies because every now and then somebody drags me out and does it. Like I know I saw Venom, which was funny because we took my stepson and that was a very loud movie. And at one point he turns to the Mr. Reverend and goes, 
can we go out in the hall? <laughs> yeah. We saw adventures movies together, but I don't think it was the original one. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, there have been a four in total. You got 2015's um, Age of Ultron, and then, of course, Infinity War and Endgame. Endgame, I know I saw. That was an interesting one. Yeah, yeah but- so you missed that one when it was in theaters then, huh? I did, and I totally regret it because the first time I saw it, I, I it was like this was the first movie that um because previous obviously there have been plenty of great superhero movies uh in the past of course i've already mentioned some on this list but they also were not as faithful to the comics they were essentially they took elements but made it a movie version uh the avengers was the first time that it felt like a comic book was alive and that scene uh the famous scene where the camera kind of circles the crew with that kind of symbolizes that they're a team for the first time like i saw that on my tv at home at like three o'clock in the morning and i was like clapping and shedding tears and woke up my kids <laughs> you know it's just like it was just uh it, it's and and yes it's a simple silly goofy movie i would be the first one to point out all the potholes and whatnot but um somebody kind of described marvel movies and and in in i like their analogy he says marvel people enjoy marvel movies like people enjoy sports you know, it's it's not that they necessarily uh, like Marvel fans like myself don't necessarily go in necessarily for the story. I think you'll find plenty of Marvel fans that will be very open the, of the fact that, you know, these can be silly sometimes, but you're there to cheer on the characters more than anything. You know, I think of um, seeing Endgame on opening night with the audience and, you know, during the big portal scene people were cheering like it was a sporting event and just it was wild and it was amazing and just i love that a movie a silly movie about guys in tights hitting each other can get people that wild and people and, and people that excited like i was weeping seat in front of me there were a couple of young ladies in their 20s they were weeping people were weeping screaming cheering and shouting and i would have loved to have been there opening night for the first time and that is just like I missed out, but I never, I, I I made up for that. Yeah, men in tights, studded gloves, like that almost sounds like a movie that I would be. In. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, I, I actually really like a lot of the Marvel universe. I haven't seen everything. I'm not one of those like stock it diehard fans where I'm like really finger on the pulse of what's going on, so I know exactly what's out. But I, I'd see wanting to see those in on a big screen, um, especially the situation like where you just informed me that I guess I could try to get some kind of situation where I could get as close to a private box as I could. Yeah. But uh, I could. That's one that I might watch. I would maybe go out of my way to see that on a big screen. And I'm so a creature of comfort, though. Like I like being at home when I watch a movie. But uh, as long as I could pause it to pee, maybe there's hope for me yet. Yeah, I mean, because it's, I mean, there is something to be said about going to another location to watch a movie. It doesn't have to be a big place, but it's that concerted effort to get out of your comfort zone at home to share an experience with other people like that, that you don't even necessarily get. Like if you invited your friends over and just put the movie on TV because everybody's still going to talk. Whereas in a movie theater or a, or a place that kind of gives you the feeling of a movie theater, you know, people are going to, you know, be quiet and treat it more like the, the, the experience, how it's supposed to be, I guess. Yeah. Listen to me be a, being a gatekeeping snob here. <laughs> oh, 
what gatekeeping snob you couldn't even enjoy an awesome dog music video because you couldn't get over the music part of it but it's okay i'm, I'm not going to judge you too harshly for that yes yes but anyway that is my list of movies on my movie bucket list like i said that's the five that I could come up with i've got a few more but portland being portland um I've, I've definitely seen uh my fair share of movies that i never thought i'd get to see on the big screen so um and and yeah as long as we have movie theaters that are open visit some movie theaters enjoy them um and treat the people that work there with some kindness people in the service industry and the retail industry are going through a lot right now and just the even the barest minimum amount of kindness can go a long way for people in those industries i can tell you that from experience if you don't believe that like just try calling them by their name and see how appreciative they are of that it, it's kind of crazy that's a practice that i do is remembering that these are humans. They're not just service drones. Um, they have feelings and a name and they wear a name tag. So it's literally easier than like people I meet and try to become friends with as I desperately try to remember their name. So just, just small kindnesses. Be nice to people in service. Like they've worked throughout pretty much this whole time. So yes. Now, uh, before we wrap up, uh, we did hear some news today, and it kind of pertains to the battle for state supremacy, too. So I thought we would bring it up. Did you want to deliver the news, Reverend Tracy? Um, I'm going to let you do it because I <laughs> am kind of I'm not as versed. I know it's sad because ZZ Top was on my list of state supremacy. But essentially what happened is the bassist passed away today and we had gotten that news just as we were finalizing what we were talking about today and saying, all right, we're going to meet and record. Oh, snap, somebody died. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I know about the situation. I don't know what, but I'm sure we'll probably end up talking about that in the Facebook group. Twitter will be blowing up about it, I'm sure, by the time we're done with this, if not already. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's summer news. Bummer news, but uh, when it comes to musicians like this, I think the important thing to do is to honor their memory, put on some music. This is easy top for all, for, for goodness sake here. They put out some great, fun music that you can just laugh and enjoy and just have a good time with. Um, you know, I posted on the group page uh, the video for, I think it was um, Sharp Dressed Man. You got and, yeah, that's uh, yeah, the great song from ZZ Top. But uh, just listen to some music today and uh, and enjoy uh, Dusty Hill's memory. That was the guy's name. So I think we will wrap it up there. Unless you have anything else you want to plug, I I don't right now. Um, yep, just R.I.P. to ZZ Top person and another another one in the books for us, I suppose. All right, so I think we'll wrap it up then. Thank you all for listening every Wednesday and Saturday in this podcast space. We will have something to entertain, entertain your ear holes. We appreciate you listening. We bid you adieu. Until we find other ways to entertain the other holes in your face, goodbye. Okay. <laughs> Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.